It's time to feel the rage. Welcome to Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming and classic films as well. Directors and actors beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey. And the man who doesn't know the meaning of the word snollygoster. Because as he may be shrewd, he is definitely not unprincipled. It's Murray. WTF, man. WTF. Hello, Murray. Yo. So with the introductions out of the way, let's rage on. Oh, my God. It's going to be one of those days uh, in this beautiful city of Calgary where it feels like it's 127 degrees all day long today. (laughs) It's going to get sweaty in here, people. Well, this week on the podcast... We talk about what we saw in the theaters last week again. Also, we what we plan to see this coming week. New releases to streaming, which we saw. Open Rage, Merman Minute, The Lists, Rage Dare. And then we say a fond skedaddle till next week. So, what did we see in theaters last week? Well, Jim... We saw Abe. Abe. Uh, from 2019, it played at the Plaza Theater here in Calgary. We actually got to go to the theater, which was excellent. Uh, I was really looking forward to this tale of a 12-year-old boy who tries to bring his half-Israeli and half-Palestinian family together through cooking. This had the ingredients to be an unforgettable <laughs> cinematic feast. Mm, See what I did there? I do like it. Uh, the acting tasty, was tasty. What you just did? <laughs> it was tasty. Uh, the acting was solid. What? Murray. Young Noah Schnapp as Abe conveyed an innocence that was essential to the story, and Sue George was perfect in the role of the talented street chef Chico. We also had solid soundtrack of songs uh, from around the globe representing the dishes that were being presented. So we had a great concept, good acting, great soundtrack. And the direction was more than competent. Yet something was missing. What? The movie left me ultimately unsatisfied and craving more from the dish that was presented to me. Oh, sweet. It has <laughs> been said that too many cooks spoil the broth. And perhaps that is the case here, as there were four people involved in the writing process. That's this con- always a bad scene. Yes. Uh, this concept with the assembled talent should have been a more memorable meal. I mean, really, bringing Palestinians and Israelis together through cuisine is the makings of a great movie. But alas, the end result was the equivalent of a peanut butter and jam sandwich. Tasty, yeah. Memorable, not so much. For all these reasons, this was a meh. Well, I think we both ended up on the same side of that. Fantastic overview, by the way, I must have to add. It was very tasty. So I cannot agree with you at all that the acting was solid. I thought the acting was super, super weak uh, from pretty much everyone in the cast. No. Abe, um, Noah Schnapp, he was his his usual moody, broody self. He just, he doesn't, I don't think he can carry a movie. He conveyed a wide-eyed innocence. That, yeah, this, I didn't that, get, that this needed. I didn't get a really a wide. I found him annoying most times. Like, I mean, he lives in a family where you would think there is some form of etiquette in, in interacting with other people on the street. And he'll just walk up to shit and say, oh, starts grabbing things off of a, a food cart. Like he lives in fucking New York City. You'd think he had enough etiquette to not grab shit from people as he walked. Like all of his character and... And I've seen him, I don't know if you've seen him in a lot of things, but because I've seen a lot of TV with him in it, he doesn't have a stretch to his his acting ability. It's the same character in every Did, movie. Didn't need it He here. maybe... Just needed hey, that wide-eyed I mean, innocence because that was the character. Well, I agree with you that he needed a wide-eyed innocence, but his character that he, he acts in pretty much all the time, I hate to say it, because he's a young actor, he may be a fingerling potato. 
Whatever. I'm not serious. I'm not kidding. A potato he, in the making. He's a potato he in is, the making. Is and mark my dare words. Dare to dream to be there as, is a as lot. great as the the master thespian Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> if that could ever happen to this kid, well, if he could pick movies like Mark Ruffalo, but to me, he's basically a fingerling. In fact, now that I've said it aloud, I'm gonna give you a fingerling in a minute. Noah Schnapp is. A fingerling until he turns 18, and then he could potentially be a potato. He's a baby potato. I'm not saying that he might not be a potato. What I am saying is he was fine in this movie. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't give him fine is too high a level for his acting in this. I'm saying the music, although I think I think he was solid in this. Yeah, I didn't get that because I've seen him in a lot of other things, and he actually there's no there's no range to to his acting ability. Not for your negativity. Talk about the music. Okay, the music was amazing. Thank Everything you. about this music was amazing. Wasn't it, though? Uh, in fact, I loved it so much you that... You downloaded the soundtrack. I, down, I didn't download the soundtrack, but I kind of want to now. But uh, the, I loved it so much that it actually made me enjoy the movie more. Oh, it absolutely did. Like, it, it presented in times when they're in the... In the um, what do they call that? Culinary kitchen. Oh, yeah. Where you share the things, and they're playing the music, and yeah. you get the real feel of, you know... That whole African vibe and yeah. it was just no, it was just good. really good music that just made you feel really great. Actually, I guess it wasn't more African; it was more maybe Portuguese because he's Portuguese. he's they're, Portuguese, right? Yeah, but they're they're fusion all over the place. So yeah. we're getting we're getting music from all over the globe. Yeah, that's, it, it that was, was what it was, and it was all really cool. I really enjoyed the music. Yeah, the, uh, that the, was to the me music, the best thing. Of the, the, music, <laughs> the, best thing. Uh, the music made me consider giving this Bondo because I enjoyed it so much. Thank God you didn't. In this the end, been a very, I this, had to step back, and uh, this yeah, would have been a really. Yeah angered re-discussion if you would have given this a mondo. Having the, said that, I got though, the feeling that... Um, come on, Sue George, though, this before was, you get onto that. Well, Sue George was awesome. He can't get all his credit till he gets to the end. you got to finish with a positive note. All right, go, uh, go, go. I found this a very budget film at times. I found um, that it was almost a little after-school special. The whole story to me felt very after-school special. It's like no. I could see 10-year-olds coming home after school and this coming on and, and they're trying to teach everybody a lesson about ethnicity. No. Oh, totally. Um, the ending was so very contrived. I couldn't imagine a more contrived ending than this movie. I can't. It was painful. I can't, I can't argue with you on right, that Exactly. <laughs> like this almost got to a rage for me because of how they ended it and how the act of the, the direction in this Basically, just and and it's coming up in my rage later, but you can't think of good writing, so you just contrive it into a, a terrible mess. Like, what was the whole thing? They're eating dinner and they're fighting. Okay, yeah, we get that. They've done that already in you the know, movie. You know what? That and that could have worked. It could have worked. Yes. But so. But, but not in the way that. Not they the did way it. they did it. It's all of a sudden they're eating. And then they go looking for the kid for a few hours, yeah, and then everybody's starving because they went outside and looked for him. Yeah. And you're, I'm just like, what? I, and then actually, the, I like was, the idea of them coming together through the food anyways, yes. but it should have been done in a different way. Yes, they totally could have made it in a different way. Yeah. Completely. And it didn't wouldn't have taken a super talented writer to make that happen. No. But between the four, maybe the four writers that they had, they, they all argued a, about they it. They needed a fifth. They maybe a fifth, maybe. Or no, just three. Or, or maybe one. Maybe just three. You know, or how about one? There's yeah, an idea. Yeah, one's an idea. Um, the redeeming qualities... Uh, of this was the idea of the story, which I really liked the idea of the story. I really did love the music. I, I liked the whole concept of bringing cultures together. The concept and, was tremendous. And like, this should have been a great movie. Oh, yeah. And if it would have b- focused more on Sue George and ha- his people because yeah. everybody is him and the kid was just annoying. The for movie the was part. on another level every time he was on the screen. Yes, of course. And and the whole the whole concept of what he was trying to deliver but even the dialogue between him and the kid wasn't great. It, it was, was flat. It was kind of flat. It was kind of like you're not really building up any of these characters. And yeah, for the end, at the end, this gets a very contrived but tasty meh. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Not so far apart there. Yeah, we were both mad at the end of it. <laughs> so we also saw the 45th anniversary special. Of Dolomite. 1975 was 45 years ago? Wow. Apparently. That's a long time. Yeah, apparently. 
Uh, so this beautiful masterpiece also comes out of um, Dolomite is my name, right? We saw that came out last year, right? Yeah. That so was, obviously that was it's probably basically the bio pick of this of, of making of, this movie of Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah. yeah which I, I'm guessing because of that movie they decided to release this one again. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, I think also this was at the Globe, right? So um, the Globe likes to bring out like what they the previous week we saw Jaws, right? Which is also also forty fifth anniversary. Maybe the Globe is just doing forty fifth anniversary. They're just gonna go through nineteen seventy five and, and so, <laughs> every so week it's done. That'd so be cool. Rudy Ray Moore, uh, really at I don't I want to say the peak of his. What I don't know. Uh, so move out of my way. And let me pass, or else you'll be pulling my hush puppies out your ass. Mm -hmm. Just one of the many lines in this movie that kept me laughing all the way through it. Uh, all the way through it? Give that, give, give that to Willie Green. Tell him I want him out of here in 24 hours, and 23 are gone already. Yeah, that was a good line. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. I almost want to steal that, Rudy. That is like the best line <laughs> in any movie ever written. That's solid. That is completely solid. Um, the thing I, the thing that made this the most for me is the Reverend walking around every scene. He had his French tickler with him. Yeah, that was that was just absolutely hilarious. Um. Did I enjoy this movie? One hundred percent. Yeah. Did did is this uh am I seeing this for the acting? No. No. Am I seeing it for the actual accuracy of the kung fu that happens in this movie? Absolutely not. It's good though. <laughs> it's freaking awesome. The scene where they they go into his uh, trunk to get the coke that's been planted there. Yeah. I don't think he connected one punch. In the entire kung fu session. It was so good. And to be a kung fu master where he couldn't lift his leg above his waist was kind of a little confusing. It was. <laughs> but, you know, they had a bit of a low angle. It looked like he got above the waist one time there. <laughs> one time. It wasn't been after. But the best, th the absolute best thing about this movie was the fantastic two lovemaking scenes in this. <laughs> they were, they were so passionate. I, I was battling down a, a giant erection in the film watching this because I was like, I've never seen passion like I've seen Rudy I, in this movie Dolomite. In my little blurb here that I was in you know, my little notes here, I literally wrote, the sex scenes were tremendous. <laughs> it was like, hey, Murray, so you haven't seen this yet, and you do have to see this It movie. sounds like I have seen it. Well, <laughs> you have to see it because you've, you've never seen a lovemaking scene in a movie that is more awkward. It's almost, it's almost like you're going... I almost got the impression Rudy was gay and he was forced to have sex with this woman. It's it kind of it what was it was, was, was kind of like. It was just so weird. It was just like, this is a master of lovemaking? Yes, he is. <laughs> it's just so funny. I have to now go back and watch Dolomite is my name to mm. see I get all the inside jokes from it. There you go. This got a super... I couldn't stop laughing. Bad movie, Mondo, for me. Yeah, I couldn't get past the bad movie. I, I can't <laughs> quite give it a Mondo. Um, Dolomite started fast, but you know what? It kind of lost momentum after about 40 minutes. <laughs> uh, you know, after the first half, if you asked me what I thought of it, I probably would have given it give what it you... that Mondo. Exactly. I would have given you that, you know, that craptastic Mondo. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, the back half dragged a little. The laughs. It was draggy, yeah. Well, there were still laughs throughout, you know, and some of them were actually intentional. The ending was perfect. But, <laughs> well, was it? <laughs> Perfectly bad. It was made it so funny. The, the one thing you didn't mention was the constant, constant wardrobe changes were endlessly entertaining. Oh, that was the best. He had to run off someplace, and he had to be there in less than an hour. And, of course... He's wearing a new outfit. I'm like, it took you an hour because it's five minutes drive, but you had to change your outfit. Exactly. And as mentioned, <laughs> the sex scenes were tremendous. Oh, God. Uh, the action scenes were ridiculous in the most fantastic way imaginable. But as mentioned, lost some momentum towards the end. You know what you're getting into when you're going to this movie. And, oh, totally. And Dolomite definitely doesn't disappoint Not in that at respect. All. But this was an entertaining man. I'll give you that. I I was more passionate about it because when you can come up with the perfect name, a perfect line from any movie, 
It's got to get extra street cred. Dolomite is my name, um, and my <laughs> fucking up motherfuckers is my game. I will give you that as well. Ah, Globe, keep bringing us some of this stuff, man. We're going to keep coming and seeing it. Absolutely. This is a good reminder for anyone who's listening. You know, socially distancing in the theaters is done really, 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 really well. So people who are living in fear to go into the theaters, they have everything mapped out pretty pretty good. Um, you've got to wear masks when you go in. and In the lobby. In the lobby. I mean, when you're sitting, you can take your mask off if you're eating popcorn because that's hard to eat popcorn without, with the mask on. Yeah, I tried to push it through my mask. It doesn't know how. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's probably the easiest way to eat it, though, is without the mask. Uh, so, yeah, try, go support these theaters because if, we if we're not out there supporting them, they're not going to last. Yeah. And for those of us that love the theater, um, it's important that we do. Absolutely. If you're not going to go because you're afraid, just give them money. Yeah. Donate it. Why Here, not? I'm going to watch this movie online and I'm just going to send you some money. Thank you. Okay. All right. So uh, what will we be seeing uh, this week? Well. Oh, I guess this is me, actually. It is kind of you. Uh, we're going to try it out. <laughs> We're going to hope to see these. Yes. We're hoping they're still going to be on. Yeah, because trying to it's find what's kinda, playing next week is it, impossible. It's impossible. But we think we're going to be able to see Becky at Canyon Meadows. Yep. Uh, so Becky uh, released this year, brand new. Uh, it's basically about a teenage girl who tries to outsmart a group of convicts in the woods. Yes. That, that seems to be the plot of this one. Yes. It sort of seems like an R-rated Home Alone, but outside. Yeah, yeah outside. <laughs> What's the, what would that be? It's not Home Alone. It's Outside yeah. Alone. Yeah, I guess. Um, I'm looking forward to this one as it has currently the doubted Kevin James. Yes. In his first, as far as I know, dramatic role. Yeah. Could this get him off the doubted list? He just needs a Ray, or he just needs a Mondo, and he's off. We shall see. I don't know. I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, I watched the I watched the trailer, and I wanted to Ma see it. There is Mondo potential. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Murray, you gonna kind of try and see this with this week or what? Oh, it depends when you go. I may see it on my own, but we're gonna go Saturday night if it's playing. If you can make it for the late show, then we'll go see it. Then. Wow. But yeah, yeah I'm I'm super excited. Lulu Wilson. Like, did anybody do any research on this? Is Lulu actually related to one of the Will famous Wilson brothers? I thought brothers? it was a typo. I have no idea. Huh. I thought it was actually Luke Wilson. No, he, <laughs> Luke Wilson isn't in it. It's Lulu. Um, and I, Joel McHale, when has he ever been in a movie? Oh, he's, he's been, been on TV movies. for a long time. Not that many. Yeah, like he's normally, he, he runs teen, like. I don't know. I, I know who he is, so he must have been in some movies. Hmm. Otherwise, I wouldn't know who you're talking about. But you probably have watched TV once. I've never seen Joel McHale on TV. You but you remember seeing him in a movie? Yeah. Hmm. I know I've seen him in movies. Hmm. Joel McHale. I don't yeah. what is he in on TV? I don't even know. Uh, he's the community guy, right? Yeah, he's in community. He's been on a couple of shows like that. He's, like, actually, he's been in Black he's, like on, like he's, on community television? Like No, the community <laughs> the, the TV, TV show the called sitcom, the com the comedy with Chevy Chase. Yeah, he basically... Chevy Chase is in a TV series? He was, he was in a TV series, yeah. Is Chevy Chase alive? Yes, he is. As far as I know. Yep. Mm. He was up until the time before we came here, and I looked up Chevy Chase, which was maybe two weeks ago. So right. he could be dead, but I, you probably would have seen that on... on I think you would have heard about it. Yeah. Him. Yeah, I'm not... Like, I'm looking at his collection of stuff. He's Joel been McHale. in some movies. Yeah, just none that I've heard of. Okay, well, <laughs> nothing big. I know I've seen him in movies because I've I don't I've never seen much him. Like, I don't know what this community much like Kevin is. Kevin James. Community. Community. It's, it's pretty good community. show. It's pretty good show. I went and had uh, lunch at Community in uh, in Canmore. In Canmore the other yeah, day. There you go. It was good. Tea is delicious. And I got a ten percent discount because I was wearing a mask. What a man. Wow. Yeah. Did you get any extra discount for being vegan? You should get I, that too. I they should. should be like a card that you carry around there, card carrying vegan. So you get, I'm saving the planet one vegetable at a time, and then you should get discounts. Yes. Right? It also sure. helps the meat eaters when all the food is gone. We know who to come after first. That's true, although they wouldn't taste as good because animals that eat other animals taste better than the animals that just eat vegetables. You're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, zombie apocalypse. You know I'm going to take That's a bite. Right. What else are we seeing, Jim? Oh, okay. Well, we are also going to see. Uh, well, 
This is the movie we've been talking about probably almost every week, which is Most Wanted slash Target Number One. So we've been <laughs> we've been talking about going to see this, and it it's never there. So, but now it is. Yeah. So you know whether it's going to be there next week, we'll see. But <laughs> well. I have hope. Yeah, it's because it's playing at a few places, I think. Yeah, and it's now getting like publicity on commercials everywhere. Oh, is it? Yeah, oh. like when you turn on TV. I know that's tough for you to understand what that word means. Yeah. But when you turn on a TV as it's opposed my, to a movie producing, I got my cable bill today. It's thing. like over four hundred bucks. Apparently, I forgot to pay it last week month. <laughs> it's like what the hell do I? Your cable I never, bill is two hundred dollars a month, and you had no TV. Well, I, I've got TV on it. I just never watch it. Well, I watch... Okay, after, that, the, cable after the podcast, let me talk to you about pra- actually following up on your monthly bill and, you know, getting I, rid of some stuff. I usually... Well, yeah, I got to get rid of some stuff, obviously, but I, that's got my internet and my my telephone and everything's on it, but mm. still, it seems like... You've got cable and you should cancel it. Yeah, I probably uh, So it, this is directed by Daniel Robbie. And it's got Josh Hartnett, which pretty much, and Jim Gaffigan, which Murray's not a fan of. I love Jim Gaffigan. Jim Gaffigan's awesome. Every single dramatic role I've seen him in, he's been brilliant. He's fantastic. I've only seen him as a dumbass on TV, so maybe, and and maybe maybe he can actually act. He was in he was in Super Troopers. Bacon. Never saw it. Yep. Everything he's in as an actor. Yeah, he's he's fabulous. He's always fabulous. And Josh Hartnett, I don't know why I'd love him too. I've, I, everything I've seen him in, I've liked him in. Josh Hollywood forgot about him. Hartnett. He did kind of forget about him. I'm trying to... I'm like, what did he do? 40 Days a Night. He did Sin City. That was City. excellent. Yeah, he it was, was really excellent. Yeah, he's in Sin City, but he was like in a very small clip. Yeah. Yeah. Important role, though. It was. So anyway, this looks like a, a pretty good film. Nin- 1989, a Canadian journalist inv- investigates the circumstances surrounding the suspicious arrest of heroin addict imprisoned in a Thai jail. Has all the makings of a potentially good movie. Yeah, seems all right. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, I like the cast for the most part. Yep. Story seems in, story seems intriguing enough. I guess I should take my hand off my mouth when I'm talking. Why? Why? Whatever. Why not? Marble. Anyways, mar- yeah, I'm marble, looking forward to it. Marble, marble. It's like you have a mask on. Oh, and yes. Stephen McCaddy's in it. Yeah. That's good. I wonder if this this probably filmed in Canada then. It probably was. I don't think he's in Yeah. Country of origin Canada. So, all right. This is like a triple threat. There you go. Jim Gaffigan, what's his face, and, and Canada. There you the pretty go. boy. Yeah. And the pretty boy. He's gorgeous. It's like a four corners of bliss. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm already excited. All right. Oh, well, man. you know uh, what that means. What does it mean? Let's dance. Oh. I know this song. Streamer. Motherfucking streaming, Barry. What are we doing? Streaming. Sweet. All right. So last week, uh, we streamed a couple of things. We uh, did. We are going to start with Murder in the Front Row, the San Francisco Bay Area thrash metal story. Sounds fantastic. This was totally 100% my pick because, you know. You're into thrash metal, so. Yeah. So, I was so looking forward to this. Full disclosure, I am a huge fan of the Bay Area thrash metal scene. I mean, come on. Slayer, Testament, Exodus, Death Angel, Megadeth, Metallica, and the list goes on on. and on. This was the best of the best when it came to thrash. These are bands that are in major repetition on my iPod Classic. (laughs) Yes, I still have an iPod Classic. You don't have a Nano, though, do you? I do do not. Hmm. And I actually own hard copies of every album by the aforementioned bands. Sweet. So when you're a fan of a doc, when you're a fan and a doc comes out about an entire music scene, well, there's that, but you're also probably going to be inevitably disappointed by the focus of the movie. Oh, Really? Uh, yeah, the filmmakers will probably not focus on all your favorite bands as nope. much as you would like. That, of course, was the case here for me. Having said that, I quite enjoyed the flick, although there were things I felt should have been a bigger focus. I felt as though we were fast-forwarding through this, and we were only touching upon subjects instead of really exploring content. Two examples would have been Death to All Posers segment, which 
I felt should have been given more attention. And perhaps one of the most interesting stories from that era was the the metal mom. Yeah. Debbie Abono. Oh, who, yeah. Who was a 50-year-old, 57-year-old mom who basically acted as mother to all the bands in the area. She even managed and went on to tour and went on tour to handle the day-to-day operations of the band Possessed. These stories demanded more time than what was allotted. That is the problem when you're trying to cover dozens of bands yeah. in 90 minutes. Yeah. So while I tremendously enjoyed taking a trip back to my youth, I have to say the doc needed to be more focused. For that reason, it breaks my thrash metal heart to give this movie a meh. Wow. I, I am going to say I am giving you a huge kudos. Because normally you give shit away just for like the stupidest reasons, and yet you were true to form in that this is movie. Totally untrue. <laughs> it's one hundred percent true. So this was a Talking Heads film, uh, not the band Talking Heads. I wish it kind of was. I, I kind of. I, I go to that. I don't wish this was the way, but I, I definitely <laughs> like to see that. Like um, love David Byrne. Like we often say in music docs, if you if you're seen, if it's your scene, you'll love it had to be there um i respect the music but as i am from punk roots i am not aware of most of the bands i knew a lot of them but i wasn't aware of all of them right the story wasn't great enough to love the doc or run out and buy all the music because guess what they didn't play a lot of music it was watered down it was just yeah. there's so exactly too much i actually like the music um but I like it more when you get to hear the music as it's being played. Yeah. It was okay. Um, too many interviews and content, so we both got that. Uh, the best thing about this was the narration from Brian Posen. Pretty cool, eh? He is fucking awesome. Yeah, he's a huge fan, too. I love him. Uh, I wonder if the boys from Metallica would like it to be done to them now that they're old farts have 20-year-old metalheads come to their house and destroy it. Yeah, no kidding, eh? So that was another thing that kind of pissed me off. Like, I, you know, we talked a few episodes they, ago about being metal enough. They were kind of looking back with it with a little too much fun. Yeah, there was too much fondness about destroying people's... But I'm kind of glad they did point that one piece out where, you know, he pulled in the Metallica dude. Yeah, goes he in, said, dude, gotta like, stop doing gotta this. Gotta stop doing this, right? But, you know, that was kind of the thing. It was like That was the good stuff in this documentary, like little things like that that they just... It did. Just they kind of had it sprinkled in yeah. there. But ultimately, as I was watching it, it was too many times yeah. for me. And it, it wasn't, like you said, there's stories in there that needed to be flushed out. I think that, that lady, what her name, Debbie, the manager, the yeah. mom, the a mom, I could watch a whole documentary about her. And I bet you it would have been a 20 times better doc than this. Yeah. I would have fallen in love with every single one of those bands. Yeah. It would have been, it would have been different. And it would have, it's, as I say, that just lack focus. It's, it's funny now that too, covering too many. Now that I'm older in my older, I mean, I was a bit of a rebel in my younger days. We've both been in bands, so we know how you can be stupid and drunk. And, and I just thought, you know, looking back on it now, it's not something I was pretty... I'm not happy about destroying other people's material, but some of these dicks that they're interviewing were still kind of excited. Oh, that was a fond memory, totally trashing that, and I had to pay on my credit card. So yeah. I was kind of disappointed yeah, in that. Yeah, kind of... Anyway. Uncool. For me, this was a San Fran metal meh. Yeah. I, was, I, really, that, I really wanted it to be better. I did too, actually, because I wanted to fall in love with metal. Yeah. And... This didn't do it. Well, I, I still like some of the bands, right? Yeah. Like, you can't not like Metallica. You cannot not like Testament. You can't, like, there's bands in there that yeah. they're just so good that you can't. Like, <laughs> the best thing, actually, now that I'm thinking about it in, in hindsight, was the fact that they just kept getting faster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, that is awesome. Yeah. The faster, the better. I tell you. Cool. Death to all posers. Death to all posers. Whichever genre you're posing against. All right. And what else did we watch? Oh, did we watch this? We saw. Oh, so did we mention that was that that the? Oh yeah, that's that's on Prime. It's on Prime. Uh, So we watched MILF on Netflix, and um, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. The this is. 
the funniest movie I have seen in a long time. I was la laughing at it the entire movie. So much, I made a game of how funny the dialogue was. I tried listening to it in every dub version that you have is available on Netflix. Just just real quick, yeah. I actually considered like just putting it into all sorts of different languages. That's exactly what I did. Like, I didn't I was trying to get it so that I could actually watch this thing. Yes. I thought maybe if maybe I put it in that, Portuguese me, and put it in Trust me, trust me, that made it better. I'm sure it did. That it, it just kept getting funnier because the dialogue kept getting worse. The dialogue was just like porn dialogue, but it took itself seriously. And it never got to see you never got to see any penetration in the whole movie, so it was a letdown there. Well <laughs> Well Sticking my fingers in my ear was not enough type of penetration that I wanted to see from this movie. Um with a title like MILF, I guess we should have maybe expected porn dialogue, but I never expected to be so bad. I kept thinking, could this get any funnier? The Pelican, the bar, softcore volleyball. Like, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Top Gun there when they had the. Yeah, there was the, a lot there of, was Top a lot of Gun Top Gun similarities there. Yeah. It's in, and then they tried to act all serious. And instead of regular porn dialogue, it ruined everything. This got a Grease 2 Baywatch pizza delivering without extra sausage rage for me. All right, I'm going to keep this really, really quick. <laughs> I have just five words to say about this. I guess we will call it a movie. This was unmemorable crap rage. Aww. The fact that it was unmemorable almost sounds like it should have been a meh because you should remember how terrible this movie was till the day you die. I'm not talking about this movie anymore. <laughs> oh, porn. Why did you not just make a porn film called MILF? I don't know. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Okay, so my rage this week... I am so tired, and it's been like three or four times within the last couple months that we've seen a movie that has potential, and the writers have ruined the movie because they're making things that are too contrived. It is literally one of my most painful experiences to watch a movie where they don't use, you know, absolutely interesting ways to bring apart the story, and for them to just by habit, just go, oh yeah, we haven't figured out how to make this happen. So they just make it happen. It's like they squish plot ideas into a segment because they can't think of a way to make it fit the movie that's been running. And so you may be watching the movie and you're semi-enjoying it, and then they'll put in, like, right at a left field, you're going, what? This is literally the stupidest way that could be entered in there. And and, and Abe, that was 100% the point. Like, if this movie didn't have so many other good parts about it, that would have been a huge rage for me just because of the contrived nature of how they scripted that whole section near the end. It just, it made me so angry. I was, I was raging and it's still, it's still seeping into my pores raging. So for me this week is contrived storyline. And, and, you know, interestingly enough, I'm going to bring it up because it's getting lots more play time out on streaming and video on demand is The Invisible Man. And this is another perfect example of this year where they contrived the plot so badly that it was like, we, we're we not stupid. Like people watching this, how can you fall for some of these terribly terrible contrived storylines? It's just, there's so many other movies that we've seen this year where they've been so creative with their writing that all you got to do is spend a little bit more money on a better writer and your film's going to be Mondo, right? Like, what was that movie we saw with uh, Mick Jagger in it earlier this year? With uh, um, Burnt Orange Heresy. Burnt Orange Heresy. Perfectly good example. Yeah. That was probably some of the best dialogue and they didn't contrive anything in that story. Yeah. And it's like, we, we go off a lot on actors and we go off a lot on directors and obviously it's a team effort, right? But if you can't uh, craft a script that isn't completely contrived unless that was your intent for the movie in the first place then don't bother doing it like just 
stop doing it. I can't stand contrived storylines. I can't stand, um, and I've, I've, I have to sort of apologize a little bit for my past rantings about Americana cinema, because I guess it's not necessarily traditionally Americana, but there's so much contrived storylines that come out. Maybe it's because of the volume of work that comes out of the U.S. We're always going to see more from the U.S. You know, it's true. We are, but, you know, they, they, they take the brunt of it, I think, because to your point earlier in the year, Bryce, when you said, if a, co- if a movie's got to come all the way across the pond and get to us, it's been filtered a few times and we're going to get better quality stuff. That's the so, thing. So when we say, you know, I love an Israeli film because guess what? All the Israeli films I've seen, I've loved. Or if we say, you know, Japanese films, because guess what? All the Japanese films that we've seen, we've loved. But me, because of the sheer volume of movies that come out of the U.S. and because of the sheer volume of movies that come from there, that we seem to, they seem to find a way into our screening rooms. Um, so I'm going to right now apologize to my American listeners that I've been angry at because um, I don't know if uh, Abe was actually produced in the U.S. said it was set in New York, so... Yeah, yeah but that doesn't sure. mean it was produced there, right? So, yeah, anyway, this week I'm raging about writers. Fair enough. All right. Q. It was a U.S. Brazil, by the way. Well, you a little combo play between them, U.S. and Brazil <laughs> today. Fair enough. Uh, my open rage this week is also about writers to a certain extent. Writers, what? And, writers and directors that try to cram too much into a movie that causes it to lose focus. Uh, whether it is a documentary or a narrative feature, there needs to be a certain amount of focus to your project. Somesi- sometimes more is not better. Streamlining a movie can often improve your project. Roger Ebert actually changed his rating of Vincent Gallo's The Brown Bunny from thumbs down to the, of the version that played at Cannes at a running time of 119 minutes, calling it one of the worst movies ever to thumbs up after watching the theatrical release that had 26 minutes cut out. That is the magic of editing. If you present a focused story instead of a story that tries to do too much, you can go from rage or meh to mondo. Please, directors, recognize that is what is essential to your story, and more importantly, what is not. And cut the non-essential bits out and make your movie the best version possible. Thank you very much. That <clears throat> that was super sweet. I agree to everything with what you said. Yeah. Which is rare, but it's absolutely true. Man. How can we both be? Is it because we both watched, like, because of the two movies that we yeah, saw this week? We're, we're both on singular mindsets. They were pretty with, similar rages, really. Yeah. Well, because Abe and uh, the metal film, right? It's, yeah. They're both they that both, way. They both so. contributed, yeah. Well, I know uh, we're going to be talking about more exciting things now, so. <sighs> Rage. Subsiding. Pulse. Slowing. Anger. The happiest time in the day. You know what that is? The Merman Minute. Well, as usual, it's up to me to bring a little joy to this raging fest. All right, today I'm going to talk about reliving the summer blockbuster. Uh-huh. Uh, the modern summer blockbuster began in 1975 when what? Steven Spielberg made, made us scared to go into the water. Yes! To Jaws. This year's summer movie season at theaters has been canceled due to the pandemic. We are forced to watch old movies at the theaters until Hollywood decides to release the movies we are actually waiting for. Uh, now, first, before I start my list, I have an honorable mention to the movie that changed my life hmm, in for the better? Sum- summer of 85. What could that have been? Back to the Future. I was 14, just moved to a new town, didn't know anybody. You lost your virginity in a DeLorean? Lived (laughs) at the movie theater that summer. That movie made me a lifetime Michael J. Fox fan. You did, yeah. Cool. Here then we go with the 10 highest grossing summer movies at domestic box office of all time, which I encourage you to see if you, by some miracle, haven't. I'm going to rate them all. You will. Yeah, me I too. Know. You're probably I'm jumping ra- in to rate them all. You're going to rage on all of them, I'm sure. Maybe. Number 10, we got Raiders of the Lost Ark. Meh. 
700 million it made at the box office. That's a lot of money. So is this um, based on today's dollars or is it based on it like say, at the time? It didn't say, but domestic and worldwide. Come yeah, on. yeah. It's probably, just on whatever it yeah. made. Uh, number nine, Jurassic World. Yeah, that was a mondo for me. Mm-hmm. I love dinosaurs eating people. 700 million and it worldwide gross was 1.6 billion. Sweet. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of dinosaur uh, meat. Number eight was the original Jurassic Park. Yeah, it was also a mondo. It was mondo. It was only mondo because I saw it at North Hill with the big curve There you screen. go. Like it should be. Yeah. $715 million and it made $1 billion in the world. Billion dollars. Number seven is, well, definitely a rage for most people, a Star Wars Episode One, which actually did make $730 million. That was a math for me. But you got to remember, it was so long between Star Wars movies that everyone was looking forward to this movie so much. Yeah. Like, I think I saw it twice in the theater, so it couldn't yeah. have been that I bad. Did too. Yeah, exactly. Only because my mo- my seat for the first one was so bad, I had to go back a second time. That's actually similar. My seat was horrible, and I were saw you guys it, like, sitting beside in, each other I at saw the time? It, like, it may two have been. in the morning. <laughs> I didn't see it two in the morning, but I do remember paying about triple the price of the ticket from somebody else, my boss's brother actually, who sold it to me, and taking two buses to go down to. I remember seeing it at Eau Claire. It was was Coliseum back then, but there was a lineup an hour long to get in. I was in the second row. Ooh, that's rough. And then the pod race happened. Uh, So I was like, I was sitting in front of like this girl who was like four foot five. And she said, please, mister, could you crouch down a little bit? So I don't know if you've been to North Hill, but they had kind of a, yep. you know, yeah, it wasn't steps Rick or anything. At all. It wasn't Rick so Senior. I'm like scrunched down in this. At, you know, I'm watching it at two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Completely uncomfortable. I was like, I got to yeah, watch like, it again. Uh, plot wise aside, it was still an epic film at the time. Yeah. But he's a man. And then number six, we got The Lion King. I'm talking about the, the original. original animated version. Mondo. Yeah, it's a Mondo. And Jeremy yeah, Irons, that, come on. Yeah, that also made 730 mil and a worldwide gross of 968 mil. Cool. And then they had to redo it live action. Yeah, horrendous. let's not talk about that. That's yeah, a then, rage. Then we got, big surprise, another Star Wars movie, Return of the Jedi, one of the first movies I saw in the theater as a teenager. Standalone, it's a Mondo. Exactly. Yeah, I'll say Mondo. <clears throat> I think it wrapped up the series really nice until they decided to remake stuff. Uh, then we got number four, The Empire Strikes Back. Mondo. Mondo. And the number three, also a life-changing movie when I was 11. What? E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Extraterrestrial. Mondo. Mondo. And Mondo number- with the rifles, not with the walkie-talkies. What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Reese's Pieces, anything with Reese's, Reese's pieces, pieces gets a Mondo for right. me. And they replaced all the rifles with in the anniversary edition with walkie-talkies. Oh, did they? They did. It was so stupid. I didn't When they had the, the big roadblock yeah, yeah. in the original, they're holding rifles. Yes, of course oh, they were. Because they're, they're ready to like, they're you know, blast the shit alien. out of E.T. Exactly. Yeah. In the remake, they're holding walkie-talkies. Like giant, walk, you know, rifle-shaped walkie-talkies. Well, what the hell? Probably, it's crazy. Probably a good thing that my memory is from the original when I was 11 years old. <laughs> As was mine, you know, but it's just dumb. Anyways, go ahead. And number two, of course, the original blockbuster Jaws. Yes, one point two duper billion. Mondo. Meh. And you're fucking evil. Exactly. And of course, number one, probably I think probably one of the biggest movies of all time. Oh, please don't say Top Gun. <laughs> no, Star Wars. Uh, the original Star Wars. The original Star Wars. Yeah, that's super. Episode four. That Mondo. was a year after Jaws. So basically, those two movies redefined summer blockbuster basically. yeah for sure i guess they did uh but yeah so i was lucky enough to be a kid when most of these came out but i only got to see about half of them in the theater uh now there aren't a whole lot of new ones coming out anytime soon so luckily both most of these are back in theaters again for a whole new generation who may not have seen them and only five dollars it's a great cheap night out for the whole family so <laughs> why you can see jurassic park or jaws like right now in a movie theater and dolomite and for only 2.99 on tuesdays Sweet. In the theater, the way it was meant to be seen. Cool. They have a ton of recent movies, too, so there's no reason not to hit up your local movie theater with safe social distancing, of course. That's all I got. Murray, you bring the joy. I try. Just do. Okay, well, the lists. Somebody had some homework to do. 
Did that person do their motherfucking homework? Did some of it. <laughs> Atta boy. At least, okay, so were you lazy and just watched one movie by Oliver Reed, or did you see two movies? I saw two movies. Oh, and okay, so Hero we've been Kazu. waiting for this for a long time. Is he undoubted? So, uh, watching two movies by the director Hirokazu Kurida. Uh, basically, I needed either Airdal to be a Matt or a Mondo. Obviously, Correct. we can't have a rage. Yep. Um, and, and the third uh, murder to be know, a Mondo or a Matt. Or no, I needed the third murder to actually to be a Mondo because I know everybody loves shoplifters. You? Oh, my God. You I are not. It, I gave it four out of five. That is not Mondo, you yes, wiener. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Mondo is the best of the best. That has to get five stars. No, I think you're wrong. No, I am dead right. So at any rate, shoplifters is a meh. You're wrong. Let's start with Air Doll, though. Okay. Air Doll was also a meh. Oh, so we're still okay. We're still okay. I love I how you're dragging this out to punish me. So then we got the third murder. So since Shoplifters is a meh, and the third murder was right before Shoplifters, mm -hmm. that means that it has to be Mondo. I, you've already said that. Or Karita is not undoubted. Okay. So what else are we talking about? Just that. Oh, okay. Well, that plus other stuff, but you got to ah, give us the, right. give us the juice. We're waiting for your review. We're bated breath. <laughs> the third murder was Mondo. Oh, Creed is undoubted. You're such a dick. You're such a dick. Yes, it's S such a such a dick. I actually really loved the third murder. That was a that was a was, really good film. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. It really was. Well, every in my okay. So for me, every single one of his movies in the last eight has been Mondo. I love his direction. Don't get me wrong; like even Air Doll, I enjoyed a lot. It's not yep. Mondo though, but it was very good. <sighs> and Thanks. Shoplifters was also very good. It's a fucking Mondo. And I know that everybody in the world thinks Shoplifters is a Mondo, but it's not. It's it fine. Is. It's a well. I've okay, I've yet to ever see a brilliantly seen... crafted movie. That is a Mondo. But it's you know. It was fine. I liked it. You're wrong. It's four out of five. You know what that is? It's a Mondo. That's even a meh. I loved it, and I don't even like four exactly. Days. He loved it. Meh. Mondo. Okay, so we got one down. Now you got to go go watch at least one movie of Oliver Reed to see if he yeah, is. Yeah, I'm on it. I watched, baby steps. Baby I steps. watched one movie he was in. Oh, did you? Which one? I believe he was in Gladiator. Yeah, he oh, was yeah. in Gladiator, he and he's mesmerizing in that too. Sure. There you go. Well, we got to wait for Bryce on this. Okay, so did you guys put forward anything for this week? Nope. No. All right. Well, I'm just glad that you finally did your fucking homework. All right. Well, as usual, I came prepared. I've got... Hmm. I'm going to pull this one out. I don't think they're going to make it, but I'm going to go for Undoubted. I'm going to pull out Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Because he's coming out with Tenant. Undoubted Christopher Nolan. Yep. I'm just trying to think. It's intriguing. Yeah. Okay, let's let's roll through it. Okay. So 2002. He ha he's got eight movies. Yep. Oh, is that? 2002 was Insomnia. It was a math for me. Insomnia. Insomnia. Was that with Al Pacino? Is that his first? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It was math. Uh, Batman Begins, which was a Mondo. Mondo. Yep. Uh, the Prestige, which for me was a math. I like. I it. was a Mondo. For I liked me. it. Okay. Uh, the Dark Knight was a Mondo. It was obviously a Mondo. Inception is a Mondo. It is a Mondo. Me. Confusing as hell, but I still liked it. There you go. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises, which is a Mondo. Yeah, it was a meh. The Dark Knight Rises was a meh. Okay, well, Interstellar, which to me was a Mondo. Was I a liked mo it Mondo. until the end. <laughs> okay. I love the end. And the last one that's going to put him on or off, because if Interstellar was a Mondo for you, Dunkirk, and I gave it a Mondo. Uh, well, Dunkirk was a math for me, but that still puts it them still on. puts them on the list. There you go. Hot damn, we got two this week, people. Well, that was although this is a joyous that, day. He's Tom doing Hart, Tom Hardy was Mondo in it. Yeah. Well, there you go with your stupid rating system. But I, I love Tom Hardy but, so uh, much. Yeah, I that has moved this movie to I a Mondo. Oh, it I didn't move it to a Mondo. It's still a math. I dislike which the story means Tannen immensely. has to be Mondo, or he comes off. Yeah, by the way. it's true. Big pressure. But, if if we ever get to watch it. Yeah. Wow. 
Okay, well, I am super excited. Okay, and then I got a couple mesmerized here. Let's do it. Uh, okay, so I've got Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he's definitely mesmerizing. I think so. He hasn't always made good career choices, but he's always... No, he's, he's made some terrible movies. He's always the best thing. He's always the movie. best thing. He's, well, he's always... Independence yeah, Day Resurgence. He's mesmerizing. Yeah, you can't keep your eyes off that creepy little, I guess, tall weirdo. Uh, and this one is... Hmm. Ralph Fiennes. Wow. I got to think about this for a second. I'm going to go with... Murray, what do you say? Well, he's taking up airtime. So is that no? You don't consider him mesmerizing? Yeah, I don't. Murray think just. I'm Murray gonna, just. He tanked it anyways, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. Murray agree just with Murray. tanked well, it. I didn't mind him until he started doing Bond movies. Oh my God! With your Bond. Yeah, that's why I also love him. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it for the, week, the lists this week. We got two on the undoubted. Super fantastico. All righty. All righty. Last time on Rage or Dare, Jim and Bryce pulled from my sweet, sweet bag. Who doesn't love a rom-com with figure skating and hockey together? And the opening scene took place at Calgary at the 88 Olympics. This week, Bryce will have to decide to rage or dare and feel the wrathful pain and suffering from either Jim's sweaty shorn bag or choose a decidedly awful dare. Hmm. But let's first see if this amazing hello, love hello. story warms the boys' hearts or will this ice palace joy of a movie chill the boys' icy, cold, dead souls. Wow. All right, Bryce. I'll give you the honor you of start? talking about this movie. Okay. What this may it? take me an hour to get through my... <laughs> well, then I'll, I'll open. I'll be a little quicker. Uh, sorry, what was it called again? The Cutting, the cutting edge. edge. The Cutting Edge. And, uh, yeah, what did it, it had uh, D.B. Sweeney and... Uh, and some other awful... Uh, Moira Kelly. Moira Kelly, go. yeah. So this actually might be the worst movie that I've ever seen. <laughs> Just wait. Nothing funny. Nothing dramatic. Nothing suspenseful. I suppose some of the acting was frighteningly bad, so it had some sort of emotion there. Even the soundtrack was brutal. I mean, they actually used all the worst music available at the time, and we got a lot of music. A lot of music. Mm -hmm. That is because this movie was musical montage after musical montage. <laughs> I have never seen so many montages in one movie. Montage. I lost count. But it had to be over 10. It had to be. There was one point, I swear to you, where there were literally three separate montages back to back to back. In the middle of the movie, I was shocked to hear a decent song. What's that? Was, was that Lenny Kravitz? No, wait. I guarantee Lenny Kravitz will not give permission to have his song in this unprecedented mound of excrement. That doesn't sound like Lenny. It wasn't. It was a cover of a Lenny Kravitz song, It Ain't Over Till It's Over, performed by Rosemary Butler and John Townsend. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't know who they are either. I cannot even recommend this if you're a big figure skating fan, as there is no figure skating in it. You either get shots of skating from so far away that you can't even tell what's going on, or you get close-up of their faces, or close-ups of their skates. <laughs> Badly directed, and even worsely acted, this is one of the biggest rages ever. It was so bad. <sighs> I was You're welcome. Very well, very well done. So, can you guess what my favorite line is from this? Uh, I know what mine is. It's Topic. No, no, That's no, right. no, no. Topic. Oh, there you go. Because they used it every fucking five seconds. That's right. Topic. This movie ticks literally every box of movies that I hate all rolled up into one nice, neat package. One, sports movies. Two, rom-com. Three, a terrible script. Four, one-dimensional characters who have no redeeming qualities. Five, dated everything. 
Was this an 80s movie? It sure felt like it. Predictable everything. I did love the fact that one scene slips seamlessly into the next, as there really is nothing too complex to make it difficult. I also felt a little, little bit of a dick knowing that they used Calgary as the opening scenes. I'm almost embarrassed by that. It's kind of like seeing a film of a terrible tragic event, like the 2013 flood, horror, and then having us have to relive it in a movie. I was very confused, though, at the point when they show him start skating. And it's like, skating is skating. You don't forget how to fucking skate. And then he's falling every five seconds. It's like, this makes no sense. He just bragged. He just, he just, yeah, but people who actually can skate can skate with a toe pick. Like all rom-com sports movies, this had the biggest mountain to climb to just get it to a rage. I put forward, we, to this day moving forward, we create a brand new rating level in our system of ratings that will start moving forward every day. It's more powerful than Bryce's double rage of last week. I plan to use this term for all truly deplorable films that are so bad you feel ill after watching it. My new term moving forward for this type of movie, depending on the text in which you're using it, is sadism or sadistic. Take your pick. This movie is pure sadism. I hated every single moment of this movie. I survived Grease 2. I even survived Nobody's Fault, which is actually the opposite of the title. But I don't know if I'm going to be still alive inside my cold, dead soul after seeing this movie. I feel dead inside. I'm not sure what it will take to bring me back to life. I am laying bets on seeing Peninsula in theaters if it comes out this this summer. I might be able to jumpstart my broken soul. I don't believe this score, and I also can't believe this scored a 6.7 on IMDb. The only thing to come out of this that is... (laughs) (laughs) The only thing good about this is that this could possibly help me win my bet if this stayed at a 6.7. And I repeat again that this gets a rating of sadism for all who see it. It was awful. Now, can I get an amen? Are we adding another layer of, of rage? It's below double rage. It's now sadistic or sadism. Because this was true torture. It really was. It's just We'll take it away so and discuss off, we can, offline. We can discuss it. Marie's, Marie's a joy bliss here. No, I this was torture. Bliss, because you totally missed the point of the movie as usual. <laughs> I don't know what. There was no there was point, no point to, to this movie. movie. <laughs> is it, you, is, you guys just have cold. You need dead to watch souls, this movie again. Yeah, I don't know I if you've seen, seen it, it enough, since you've been an me. adult. Yeah, no, I have. Uh, okay. Okay, well, this week, because you've got to make a decision, mister. What are you doing? Uh, I'm going to just continue to pluck from that bag until it's empty. Where is my bag? I don't know. That's potato chips. Oh, is this it? That's it. All right. I got the bag. Whose bag is this? into the bag. Whose bag is it? That's my bag. Whose bag am I fondling with my fingers? That would be mine. As per usual. (laughs) True enough. Uh, okay, I got something. I got something. Okay. I think there's a two after it. I'm looking at there the is. Two. Oh yeah. Turn it the other way. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dick. I know. All right, I'm watching Bad Boys Two because oh. I can't get enough of Martin Lawrence. <laughs> oh snap! Has he made our doubted list, by the way? Oh, good call, Mer. Bring that forward next week. <laughs> Do the homework. Okay, bad boys too. Enough said. I don't. Whatever. I cannot wait till next week. This could be. This could be a new rating of sadism. There you go. I was hoping it just said bad boys. You know, starring Sean Penn. That was excellent. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, thanks, Ragers, for listening. Thanks to the extended Film Rage crew of Leonard Conlon for statistic vision and photography via Leonard Conlon Photography. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and check out our website at filmrageyyc.com. We are always wanting your feedback to make this a raging blast for all listeners. So please comment often and please make us rage. Please, please. Or even make us sadistic. That's it for this week. Rage on. Rage on.